we will uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, well, we're glad you've been able to join. You're able to join us here on this Sunday. It's a very significant Sunday in the life of our church. We love the trots very much. We are delighting in seeing how God's at work, has been at work in their life, is at work in their life, and it's a very um, just emotional morning, I know. Um, so uh, we're going to have some time to celebrate them here in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to preach. We're going to look at God's Word from Galatians chapter uh, 5. We're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, kind of intentionally split this section into two different sections. I'm going to just start using the other microphone. Is, is that good? Which one should I? Can you hear me without the microphone? That's alarming. All right. All right. We're good now. All right. We'll save this for later. John, remind me where that is. Um, all right. I feel like I almost need to start over because I was thinking about nothing. Tori's holding up a sign, but I can't read that. Hope Kids. All right. Hope Kids, if you did not leave... We want you to leave now. Go. So, so wow. <laughs> if anybody else has a sign they want to hold up, just know that, that uh, I can't see anything but these lights. So, so um, all right. I better just pray, and then we're going to spend some time. Let me read God's word, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend some time here. Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 16, the passage we looked at last week into what we'll be focusing on this week, the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. So starting in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we want you to work in us today. That is our prayer when we wake up each morning knowing that you have to do the work in us by the power of your spirit. Some days we are very aware of our needs. Some days we are less aware. Father, thank you that today you give us the chance to stop and to reflect to think about these fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit in such a way that we can say we want to display Christ to others as we live our lives. And so Lord, whether people are coming in just overwhelmed with grief, people are coming in overwhelmed with sadness or sickness or disease or pain, 
Father, we thank you that you have given to us your son and you have given to us your spirit so that we might see your son clearly. And so may you be at work here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this last June, Scotty Smith wrote a prayer, as he does often on his Gospel Coalition blog, about the fruit of the Spirit. And I love the title of his blog. He said, Oh, that the Spirit's fruit grew like zucchini. And he said, Lord, I wish the Spirit's fruit were like zucchini, easy to grow, always plenty to share. Please grow a bumper crop of these delicacies in our hearts this summer. Now, I I love that because if you've ever planted a garden, you know it's kind of zucchini for everyone. You get a zucchini and you get a zucchini, kind of everybody gets zucchini. You know, I brought this up to John and to to Jared in the office this week, and and Jared said, well, actually, compare that to uh, a few years ago, I tried to grow coffee. Our coffee beans. And so he said, and I, I, can't, I, would lo- I got to verify this with, with Megan and, and find this out, because he said for three years he had two little coffee plants on the, the corner. I'm watching you nod right now. That's great. The, uh, on the kind of the edge of their uh, windowsill. And he would, as a bean would grow, he would pick them off individually and he would wash them and then he would freeze them. And after three years, he had a half of a cu- enough for a half of a cup of coffee that he could roast. And he said he, he drank it and it was awful. <laughs> so, so you can ask him all about that later. You know, so that's, a, you know, fruit, fruit sometimes can feel, it was, is abundant. Sometimes it can feel kind of slow in the making. And so as we come to this fruit of the Spirit here this morning, I love how Scotty Smith ends his post and he said, we can't grow this fruit, but the Spirit can, and he will, and he is. Make us more like yourself, Jesus. And that's my whole aim here this morning, is that we would understand as we come to Galatians 5 again, what it means to walk by the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be more like Jesus in how we live. That when you leave this place today, as you go throughout your daily lives and you go throughout your week, that you would be more aware of your need to yield to the Spirit to be working in your life and bearing this fruit. And so I just want us to look at two points. We're going to spend a little bit, probably briefer time in God's Word this morning, just so we have extended time with the trots here in a little bit. But here's the two points I want to focus on. Works of the flesh, first point. Fruit of the Spirit, second point. So works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you remember, last week we spent our time in verses 16 and 17. And here's what verse 16 said. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we took our time and we we said, what does flesh mean and what does spirit mean? And by flesh, what Paul's referring to is he talks here in Galatians and in Romans, is he's referring to our sinful nature that every single person shares as a result of being born into this world, descended from Adam in such a way that our flesh is naturally opposed to God, our flesh naturally gravitates towards sin. It, it's called the, the sinful nature. We all share this. Why are we so naturally, at even a young age, drawn towards sin. It's because we still live in the flesh and there's weakness there. That's what Paul calls it, the flesh. Now, when we put our faith in Jesus, if you became a believer in Christ, the power of the flesh is broken in that moment. It was broken because we've been united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, which means it no longer, the flesh, no longer holds power or dominion over us. It can no longer enslave us. 
And so Jesus broke the power of the flesh. But though the power of sin and the power of flesh to enslave was taken away, we're still living in the flesh. And so if you wonder kind of, why am I still drawn to the things that I once was drawn to? Now, you, and we, but we, in that moment, when you say that, we recognize there's a difference because in the past, when we were drawn towards the things of the flesh, they were things that it kind of consumed us, all consumed us. We didn't know they were wrong. We didn't care that they were wrong. We didn't care what God thought, and we pursued them to our own detriment. But when we become Christians, even though we're living in the flesh still, and there's this weakness there, there's an awareness. Even just, if you're here this morning and you think, oh, I'm so weak, why do I give in to this over and over again? Why do I struggle in this same way? That in itself is an evidence of God's work in your heart through his spirit, making you aware of your sin and making you want to turn from your sin. But the point Paul wants to make and what we saw last week is that he's really been trying to get across in Galatians from beginning to end is don't trust the flesh. Galatians, don't trust the flesh and the, the, the works of the flesh to think you can get in to heaven, to think you can get to God as a result of your flesh. He's saying it's too weak. It's too powerless. It can't help you get to heaven. But he's also saying the flesh is also unable to help you to grow in God. And so if you're trusting in your flesh to get to God, or if you're trusting in your flesh to grow in God, both of those things Paul has been pointing out over and over again in Galatians is that will not help you. Why? Because you need the Spirit. You need to be born again. And so just to say it in one more way, you can't build the house of salvation on the foundation of flesh and you can't live in the house of salvation by the flesh. So what's the solution? It's to be born again. And how are we born again? It's by the Spirit. We come from the Spirit. The Spirit works in us and makes us alive. And so we can walk by the Spirit now. We can live by the Spirit. We can resist sin by the Spirit and repent and grow and obey. All of these things happen, and Paul has been showing us, by the Spirit. He said in Galatians 3, 2 and 3, he said, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so he's pointing out, look, I'm aware that there's this huge temptation that, yeah, I get into the Christian life through the Spirit, but I'm, all, but I, I'm just got to work really hard now by my flesh. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You get in by the Spirit, and you now live by the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is, more, is not just an emotional experience or an impersonal power plant for our Christian lives. He is a person that God has now, he now dwells in us, Christ in us through his spirit so that we can obey and we can delight. Now, before we talk more about the fruit of the spirit, look at where Paul goes first. And he goes first to these works of the flesh. And, and he's, he's pointing them out to let them know again, all again, this is what the flesh produces. Look at verses 19 through 21 again. 15 different things here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and orgies is more than just sexual. It can be gluttony as well, just kind of excess. And things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, when, when Paul's listing off this list, it's not an exhaustive list of this is all the things that are wrong in the world or all the ways you can go wrong. It, it's, it's not exhaustive. In fact, when he lists this list later in other places in the New Testament, it's always a bit different. But what this is is a representative list of the flesh and showing what does the flesh gravitate towards very naturally. What does it gravitate? It gravitates inward towards itself and what it desires, and it also gravitates outward towards what the world celebrates. And so these sins here, you could categorize them. You could say there are sins that indulge and promote self. There are sins here that are against God, and there are sins that destroy community. And, and maybe you might read this list, and you might just say, well, yeah, that's just Las Vegas. That's just the world we live in. You know, it's easy to just kind of, kind of just let them kind of fade into the background and think this is just normal. You know, I, uh, I remember years ago when we first moved to Chicago, we had a friend, um, and he, he came from a small southern Ohio town. And in this small southern Ohio town, I mean, he, it was like Mayberry. And so, I mean, that's Dave Dilley was his name. And Dave Dilley is a great guy. And Dave Dilley comes up in his first time in Chicago. And it's like the whole thing where he's like, golly, and literal quote. And he's looking at everything. He's amazed by the buildings. He's amazed by the traffic. He can't believe how many people are around or how bad the traffic is or how expensive everything is. Now, look, we, we know all those things. Yeah, the buildings are big. There's a lot of people here. The traffic is bad. You know, stuff is expensive, but we're desensitized to it. It's easy to be a bit numb to kind of where you live because it just be kind of, kind of fades into the background. You know, we can be the same way with even this list that we read here. We can be numb to the pain and the anxiety and the difficulty that these works of the flesh cause. We can kind of just kind of celebrate them in a way by just watching them without thinking by thinking about these things or kind of just allowing them to be normalized in our minds. And what we don't realize is that is because the flesh is drawn to these things naturally and so the flesh isn't going to be alarmed by these things. Look, even though these things are normalized in our society, don't downplay, here's what we need to remember, don't downplay how different and how exciting it is for somebody who is apart from Christ, who's not a Christian, when they start to hang around Christians, and maybe this is you here this morning, maybe you've just started investigating Christianity, and when you look out and you spend some time with some Christians, you immediately recognize there's a difference here. There, there's a difference in how these people talk to each other. There's a difference in how they care for one another. There's a difference in how they love one another. Don't downplay, just because it's kind of sin is normalized in our world, don't downplay the effect that it has in people's lives, the crushing effect it has in the world where people year after year after year after decade after decade after decade sit in the weight of sin, their own sin, and being sinned against by others and in the world and the brokenness of the world, and they're exhausted. They know the pain of sin, and so when they see light in the midst of darkness, something stands out. When they see love in the midst of hate, there's a difference. 
when they see a cool drink of water in the midst of a desert, they recognize there's something different here. And so in that way, Though the flesh might be normalized, or the works of the flesh might be normal in our thinking, we have to remember these things oppress, they crush, and ultimately they destroy. And that's why Paul speaks so clearly with this. He, he gives kind of a shock of a warning. Kind of almost like if, if you've ever walked through a field that has an electric fence and kind of thought like I did when I was in like third grade, I wonder what that feels like. And you touch it, you get an immediate shock. Look, this is almost like an electric fence right here in Galatians chapter 5. And Paul wants us to be shocked by the warning he gives in verse 21. Here's what he says. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, i.e. this list, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what he doesn't mean by this is somebody who struggles with these sins or somebody who engages with these sins are forever banished and cannot receive the grace and salvation. But what it does mean is if someone all someone has is their flesh and their desires and they are giving into those all of their life and that is the the produce of their life, they can't enter God's kingdom because their flesh can't produce life. They don't have the spirit because the spirit is against the flesh and the flesh is against the spirit to keep you from doing the things that you want to do, like Paul has already said. You know, Paul says it even more bluntly in Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. You know, just like miners who dig deep into the earth and they're kind of digging for gold, what they have to do is they have to kind of shore up uh, their tunnels so those tunnels don't collapse in on themselves. Look, those who are in the flesh, though they don't realize it, they are digging tunnels and they are looking for gold. They are looking for kind of meaning. They are looking for whatever that might pleasures they might be able to bring. And what they don't realize is they can't shore up their tunnels enough or long enough so that they don't ultimately come in and just overpower them and crush them. Ultimately, if their life is built on the flesh, it will collapse in on themselves. The cravings of the flesh, they can spend their whole life, they will never be satisfied. They will always be left craving more. Now, if that's you here this morning and you recognize, yeah, that's how I've been living and it doesn't satisfy and I've got nothing as a result, what's the answer? Now, we're gonna go to the fruit of the Spirit and here's what the answer in the fruit of the Spirit is not. And we're gonna say this again in a moment. It's not just a list to say, if I do these things, then I'll be good. If I'm loving, if I'm peaceful, if I'm patient. No, no, this is a result of because you have put your faith, someone has put their faith in Jesus and said, I can't do it on my own, save me, help me. And we put our faith in Jesus. He saves us, he forgives us, he cleanses us, and he brings us into his family, and then he produces this fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at the fruit of the Spirit now. Verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, there is no limit to these things. Now, let me just make some very uh, basic observations about the fruit of the Spirit here. I'm going to make five very quick basic observations, and then I want us to apply these and see how these, what relevance they have in our lives. Here's basic observation number one. 
This fruit is of the Spirit, which means it can't be manufactured by the flesh. I've heard people say, you can't staple fruit to the tree and say, see, I'm bearing fruit. It can't be manufactured by the flesh. We can't do it. It's of the Spirit. So it's Spirit-produced. That's basic observation number one. It's of the Spirit. Basic observation number two. This fruit is a result of life in Christ. Like we just said, you can't bear this fruit if you don't have the life that comes from the Spirit who's opened your eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, that he's your Savior, and you're trusting in him. Fruit doesn't grow on dead trees. Spiritual fruit is only produced by those who are alive in Christ. And you became alive by believing in Jesus and receiving forgiveness. You have life. The Spirit is going to be producing fruit. So that's basic observation number two. It's of the Spirit. It comes as a result of life in Christ. Basic observation number three. Since this fruit is of the Spirit and it's for those who are alive, somebody can't say, yeah, but not me. I'll never change. Look, and here's the reason why. Now, I know a lot of Christians who say that sentence. They sit right in my office and they say, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I, I've tried for a long time and I can't do it. And the answer is, no, you can't. But here's the answer that you need to hear. The Spirit of God can change you. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That means the power of the Spirit is greater categorically than the power of the flesh. He can change you. And here's the proof. If God could make you alive in Christ, God can grow you in Christ. You need to cling to that promise. When you're struggling, when you're deep in despair, if he can make me alive, he can make me grow. If he can make me alive, he can make me change. You know, in our mission group last week, Jordan reminded us how Matt Ferris used to regularly say week after week in men's Bible study, growing in Christ isn't about bettering your old self. That man is dead. You're now alive in the spirit. So Christianity is about being made new. The old man's dead. The new person is now alive. And that new person is able to bear the fruit of the spirit. It's not, again, stapling fruit to the old man. It's bearing the new person in Christ, bearing the fruit of the spirit. So basic observation number three is, is fruit of the spirit. It means you can change. Basic observation number four this is not nine habits of a highly productive Christian. Don't just read this and kind of think, you know, the, the, I just, if I can just work on this and work on this, or I don't need this one, it's not good. I, who knows what goodness really means anyway? I'll just kind of, and you kind of, it, it's not meant to be kind of picked apart. It's a singular fruit that grows up in blossoms as the stem, these are, the fruit are the bl nine different blossoms of the root that's in Christ. So you're in Christ, he's going to bear this fruit in your life. Now there are gonna, look, here's what we need to remember about fruit and agriculture. You plant the seed and it takes time and all of us are tempted to say, I, I'm never gonna be patient. I'm never gonna be loving in this way. And what we have to do is we have to say, God, I want to trust in you and I'm going to rest in your spirit. No, you are going to change me day by day and I'm going to keep, by, this is what, what the life of faith means. It means trusting God 
every day. He's changing you regardless of your circumstances and regardless of your failures. He is doing that by grace and he's working in you. You can trust him. So it's not just nine habits of a highly productive Christian. Basic observation number five, if you belong to Jesus, he's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It is sure and it's a promise. Now look at verse 24 in light of all these observations. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And, and I love, this is where like, I, I never have seen these things. I've always, you know, I looked at Galatians 2.2 2 as, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I kind of look at it in and of itself. And I know I need to look at the context, but Galatians is one of these books that the more you see the context of the whole thing and the more you see Paul talking about how you can't trust in the flesh, and here's the reason, what you see is the, com- the connection between Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then you come to Galatians 5.24 and you see Paul say, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, so I've been crucified with him. It's no longer I who live. What's that mean? I belong to him. You belong to Christ if you've put your faith in him. You've been crucified with him. But look at 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That old person is dead, and now we're going to be in the business of, for the rest of our lives, still living in the flesh, still in the weakness, and seeking to put the flesh to death and live by the Spirit. And so, if you live in the flesh, you, you live in the flesh now still, but you no longer have to be controlled by the flesh. You're in the Spirit, and God is producing the sweet fruit of the Spirit, and he will continue to do that. And so all I would like to submit to us is uh, our role right now, then as Christians, is to every moment of every day yield to the Spirit and say, have your way in me, God. Work in me. Shape me. Mold me. You know, look, here's remember. It's going to be very tempting to compare yourself and look at other people and think, you know, they don't struggle like I do. All Christians struggle against the flesh every day, full stop. But there might be some here who are so engulfed in the passions of your flesh that for all intensive purposes, you barely resemble a a Christian at all. You might have so given over to the passions of your flesh, maybe it's sexual immorality, maybe it's impurity, maybe it's the, all of these things, you've just been going headlong and you kind of, maybe you're like the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son and you're just running from God and here's what you need to hear. You need to hear two words. The first word is stop. Stop running. That's how you once lived and it didn't get you anywhere. And the second word you need to say and say it to God and say it to other people is just very simple. Help. Help. God, help me. Say to your friend, help me. I can't do this on my own. And so if you're in Christ and you've put your faith in Christ, you don't need to be dominated by the works of the flesh any longer. And so it's going to take just saying, by God's grace, I want to stop. And by God's grace, I need help. Now look, here's, here's what we also need to hear, and this is every single person in here. God's gonna give us opportunities every single day where we're gonna need him. 
God wants his children to display these fruits because they point to Jesus and because these nine fruits really, if you think about them, they really point very uh, pointedly and descriptively of Jesus himself. The love that God had for us by sending his son, the love that the son showed by laying down his life, the joy that Jesus had in despising the shame and still going to the cross, the peace that God made between God and man through Jesus so that we could make peace with others, the patience God had for us when year after year after year we continued going back to the same things, the patience that he showed by giving to us his son even to people who rejected him and continued, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness of our Savior in our minds that he's meek and mild the gentleness and self-control of Jesus when he hung on the cross, wrongly accused, wrongly condemned, wrongly executed, and yet he was still gentle. He was still in complete control. You know, all this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is we see Jesus. And God wants us to look to Jesus so that he might be forming Christ in us by his Spirit. And in our whole lives, every day is going to be a part of this pursuit. And so God's committed to, to, commit to producing this fruit in your heart. And your call is to walk by the Spirit every day, to turn from the works of the flesh, and to be led by the Spirit. You know, Paul says it four different ways here. He's talking about walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping in step by the Spirit. Look, he wants to do this in you when you're in a broken and hurting world. When you're in a world that's so desensitized to sin, he wants you to demonstrate Christ. He wants you to demonstrate Christ when you are broken and when you are hurting. Love, and joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, are you in, are you in pain right now? This fruit of the Spirit can be even evident in a hospital bed. Are you discouraged or disheartened? It can be evident in your broken home. This fruit of the Spirit can be evident in an extended family gathering, like what Chris prayed about a little while ago, even when people are hostile to you. The fruit of the Spirit, when you're on top of the world or when you're in the depths of despair, you can bear this fruit when you're disappointed. This fruit grows in drought, when you're in places you don't want to be, when you're not living your dream life or when you are living your dream life, when you get a promotion or a demotion or a termination, in remission or expiration, in all of these circumstances, we can say we want to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and God is committed in every circumstance of our life, in good or in bad, whether in life or in death, that we might glorify Christ. And one more note just on the fruit of the Spirit before we conclude here. What we should see from all of these different ways, we can, places we can grow, the Spirit can be growing fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't require the right growing conditions that we would think. Like, like if I, I can't play golf, but when, if I try to play golf, 
I stand there and I have to have everything perfect. There can be no wind. I have to have the best clubs. It has to be a ball without a blade of grass on it. It has to be in the fair. It has to, everything has to be perfect. And then I shank it and I say, well, the wind blew or you shouldn't have said something. And it's just, no, it's because you can't play golf. Here's the, here's the thing, look. The fruit, we're going to be tempted to be, think, to be blaming other things or our circumstances why we're not producing fruit. And what we need to hear is, and what we need to see from Galatians, is God is going to produce that fruit even in the circumstances you're in right now. All it requires is for you to say, Oh, Holy Spirit, would you be working in me? Walking by the Spirit each day means there's a conscious awareness that I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. And so here, all of this really leads to, here's the main point that I think we should see from this passage. The main point of this passage, I think, is the fruit of the Spirit, it knows no limit in the heart of a Christian walking by the Spirit even in the midst of a broken world. The fruit of the Spirit knows no limit in the heart of a Christian walking by the Spirit in the midst of a broken world. So I agree with Scotty Smith and I think we should be praying that way. God, would you make the fruit of the Spirit like zucchini in our lives? May we have so much zucchini we don't even know what to do with it because we see and it's just overflowing to other people. That we'd see our Savior and we'd imitate our Savior in his love, in his joy, in his peace, in his patience, in his kindness, in his goodness, in his faithfulness, in his gentleness, in his self-control, which God will use in our lives to help us imitate him every single day. Let's pray together. And as I pray, we're going to do two things. First, the, the worship team's going to come up, and at the end of my prayer, I just invite parents, if you would go back to get your children back in the nursery and in the kids' class, because we want you and your kids to be able to be here, to, and those who are working in the nursery, to be able to be here to celebrate the trots. And so, um, let me pray. Father, thank you for the way you work in us. Thank you for the way you shape us. Thank you that we can come to the end of ourselves and we can say we can't do it on our own, but we give you praise, God, that you are so committed to us that you are, you are bearing this fruit, you are producing this fruit in us. So would you help us as a congregation to demonstrate Jesus to this world? Father, would you bring people into our midst who are broken and hurting and weary and 